Well, I think the Buddhists sum it up. They say when you see a large expanse of water, meditate upon it. Hey, you shop. Hey, you shop. Hey, you shop. Hey. What do we do? We all go and sit in the water. What happens? Contemplation, reflection of our life. Hey, get back up and touch it, you're not. Hey. ATS's new shop is live now at theswellians.com. For this week's instalment of The Greatest Stories Never Told, we're going to J-Bay on Acid. 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 Now, uh, I guess a, a quick bit of context to the story... Uh, this event took place on the back end of a 10-day work bender for Stab Magazine back when I was about 22 years old. I think I'd worked about five days straight and then jumped on a flight uh, from Sydney to Perth, Perth to Johannesburg, Johannesburg to Port Elizabeth. Uh, then you drive to J-Bay and, of course, as soon as I arrived, the contest started so I was just working long days at the comp uh, back in those days writing these kind of ultra detailed contest reports that I used to do styled uh, you know on the great Ben Mondi and Sean Doldy their kind of contest reports from Tracks magazines which I, I loved as a, a youth um, so I put a lot of effort a lot of heart into them but fuck it burned me out man oh, I mean I was a fucking burned out little grommet as it was uh, you know with titanium plates freshly inserted into my broken jaw and a fucking crooked nose and a whole host of floggings that I'd copped and dished out myself uh, and all of that apexed into one tremendous fucking beating uh, in the form of the story you're about to hear J-Bay on acid. What not to do the night before one of the most historic days in professional surfing. Take four times the recommended dosage of hardcore trance-grade LSD and head to the last night of a three-day trance festival called Conscious Convergence held in a commune called Wacky Woods. A South African won J-Bay. Hoots a middle-aged woman in yoga pants. It's after midday and I'm sitting on the lawn of a commune 20 minutes drive into the wilderness from super tubes. Last night's LSD is still very much in my system, casting a haze across my eyes. The devil wind coming off the mountains, the one I'd been told by contest director Mike Snips Parsons was supposed to postpone the final until the end of the waiting period, has turned my face to charcoal. What? Did they run today, I ask. I'm a journalist. I'm meant to be there covering the event. A South African one. Woo! The lady replies, grinning and nodding at me. A couple of hours earlier, Geordie Smith, a.k.a. White Chocolate, had vanquished his demons, along with that of the South African surfing community at large, by winning his first World Tour event, at J-Bay, making him the first local to win it since Sean Thompson decades earlier. With Kelly's third round loss, Geordie also became the first South African to lead the ratings since the ASP World Tour began. All of it on Nelson Mandela's birthday. While he lives out his dream, I'm trying to convince myself this isn't one. I woke up this morning naked on a couch in Africa, unable to separate dream from reality 
in a room full of strangers with my thoughts trapped in a cycle of despair by relentless trance music. He's awake, a stripper from Port Elizabeth had yelled out as I came to. She was laying on top of me, fully clothed, separated by a blanket and a bunch of cushions. Her mouth reeked of the curry pie she'd just ingested, and the silver bindi on her forehead shimmered. The night before, I had gambled on the final of the J-Bay contest being postponed and journeyed to the last night of a three-day trance festival. It was called Conscious Convergence and held at an experimental retreat called Wacky Woods. I came with a hot blonde I'd befriended at a bar across the road from Supertubes. She had a coke habit and liked to party. Her boyfriend was a famous DJ and she'd spent a lot of her time touring the clubs of Europe with him, but they had a violent argument in the bar, so I'd suggested we bail to the festival. She wafted her poon past an older man and convinced him to drive us there in his ute. As we were leaving, I ran into Owen Wright and Matt Wilkinson and asked them to come. I told them it would make a good story and that they should try to escape the pro tour bubble when they travel. They refused. The model and the older creep sat up front in the ute while I rolled around in the tray for the 40 or so minute drive. Within minutes of arriving at the commune, I ran into the guy who tipped me off about the party during Dusty and Dan Ross—that's Dusty Payne and Dan Ross's round three heat. He was a white Rastafarian convert with dreadlocks and kicked off the night's shenanigans with a generous joint packed with the iconic and famously potent Durban Poison strain. I listened as he talked dense spirituality with a Christian man I didn't know. Then he gave me a tab of acid and told me to take half. I did, and I tasted chemical as soon as it hit my gum. A bad sign. The hallucinations are fun initially, and I dance to the frenetic trance beat. When the euphoria begins to dissipate, I take the second half. I was later told a quarter in total would have been sufficient. At which point I begin contemplating ideas of religion, human nature, and where I fit on the scale of good and bad. I ruminate on the people who'd accompanied me to Wacky Woods. A substance-abusing model and a fast-driving middle-aged guy with ambitions of fucking her. How did we find each other? Was it because we were all equally as fucked up? And was it a coincidence that all three of us had ended up at a festival titled Conscious Convergence in Wacky Woods and I had begun the night listening to a Christian and a Rastafarian talk spirituality? What did all this mean? I began to feel horrible. A vicious combination of fatigue, the booze wearing off, the weed kicking in, and the acid tightening its grip on my consciousness. I'd worked 10 days straight with a red-eye flight from Australia wedged in the middle of it all. This was not what Timothy Leary would call the ideal set. Nor was this bizarre freak fest at which I knew pretty much no one a good setting for a heroic dose of mind-altering drugs. I look at one of the psychedelic 3D eye images on the wall. It's a cluster of neon mushrooms, but when you stare at it, the shadow of the shrooms creates an outline of some tormented creature from a tool film clip. A UV light has the whites in everyone's eyes, a demonic complexion. The music is hard, fast, and stunning. I attempt to dance with the model, but she dances away from me. It strikes me like a punch in the temple that she has an Eastern European accent. I'd actually find out it was German-Italian. But 
It was enough to kickstart a paranoid psychosis that would end in me jumping into a pool fully clothed on a seven-degree night and smashing a window with the plumbing I'd ripped out of the wall. Conscious convergence, wacky woods, LSD, tormented imagery. But of course, she's a cheap hooker purchased from Eastern Europe by religious fundamentalists and she's been planted in the J-Bay club to lure sinners to this place. As my paranoia mounts, I turn to the one person I think I can trust. Are these people crazy Christians, I ask the African bar girl. Yeah, I think so, some of them. Ah, fuck, fuck it. Fuck! They've lured me here. This is some Manson family shit. Listen, you've got to get me out of here. What? I can't. I don't finish until morning. What? What do you mean you can't? I wander around the dance floor and return to the bar lady. Please, I'll pay you. But I'm going to Port Elizabeth, uh, which is the opposite direction to J-Bay. She says, people are looking at me, asking if I'm all right, comforting me. Get away. Don't touch me. Christians, I don't want your help. I push their hands away. If I force myself to sleep, I'll wake and this will all be over. Yeah. And so I curl myself in a ball three meters from the bar. People try to help me up. I kick at them. I get up and try to rip a giant sheet from the wall to cover myself in. It's nailed on, but I rip at it and fall over. A security guard helps me up and shakes his finger at me. I nod, then sprint past him. I gotta find a way out. Yeah, right. Wacky Woods was designed by an acid freak for acid freaks. The dance floor is sunken among dense foliage and cacti halfway up a valley. To reach the hut housing the dance floor, you navigate a steep and endlessly winding path through dense, though incredibly well-manicured foliage. The place is characterised by an attention to detail and dedication to maintenance I'd only ever encountered in religious structures. The creator of the retreat is known to spray paint his sheep green. It's night time and the path down the hillside is steep and lit at intervals. It winds and winds again. You think it's over, but it winds one more time. I hear screams as I run. I laugh at the horror. I outsmart the path. At the bottom, I see a cabin and knock. No answer. There's another cabin next to it. I knock. Nothing. I see two silhouettes in the distance walking up a hill towards a gate. How do you get out of here, I ask. What? I don't know, one replies. Christians. I must find the main road. I run. But I find the entrance to the winding path again. I go back up the path and finish at the dance floor. I do another lap. Maybe several. Memories are fractured from this point on. Freezing water. I jumped in the pool. Cold, a giant computer screen projected on a wall with an error box on it asking me, do you want to proceed? Smashing a window with some plumbing I ripped from a house. I reasoned that Christians would be binded by morals and, having been defeated in my quest to find a way out, thought I'd test them with violence. I paid 400 rand to get it repaired in the morning. I remember begging for death, of closing my eyes and the music splitting colours in my brain like a kaleidoscope. And of the colours getting smaller and smaller with each beat. Of lying face down in dirt, chewing on a rock. Of letting go, of pissing myself to stay warm. But all the time confident I would be found and nurtured back to health because Christians are compassionate. They would take me in, clothe me, put drugs in my food and I would be trapped here forever working on their farm with the others. At some point, I'm sitting next to a fireplace with a weathered older man offering me coffee. I knew it. I'm freezing in my wet, pissed-on clothes, and the man tries to help me out of them. Get away, I yell, and push him away. I relent when the cold becomes too much and let him change me. 
I have vague recollections of being on a couch with people heaping blankets on me, followed by people sitting on me to keep me warm, and of a didgeridoo permeating my torment. In the grips of my torment, some hardcore Hessians had heard I was Australian and somehow produced a didgeridoo, which they then proceeded to play next to my head and body into kind of ad hoc healing ritual. It worked. I stopped my writhing and eventually passed out, he later told me. Next, I'm standing outside and it's morning and there is fog in my eyes. I'm convinced it's a dream and I'll soon wake up in my bed back in Australia. It's only when doing a piss and looking at my dick in my hand that I realise this is all real. Otherwise, I'd be pissing myself. A man in pink knitted gloves and a green tie-dye shirt asks me, did you take the trip or did the trip take you? Yeah, I, um, wow, I just, is my reply. He laughs and walks off. The owner of the retreat confronts me. You're lucky we didn't find you when you were running around breaking things last night. You'd be in hospital, he says, which is exactly where a Dutch environmental volunteer ended up a few weeks earlier. He too had fallen ill of a powerful hallucinogen, except where I followed the path down the valley, he ran straight through the cactus and bush. They found him in the kitchen of a nearby farmer scratched and bleeding. He's lucky the farmer didn't shoot him dead, my new South African friend had told me the following day as we sat in the sun. This man had been a voice of sanity in this situation, having been in it before. Anyone who goes through something like this needs this man. Oh, I just wish I got to you before you freaked out. I remember seeing you doing laps of the place like a dog, he told me. The man, as it happened, was also a talented surfer, but he gave up the sport after his brother, who had featured in South Africa's premier surfing magazine, Zigzag, drowned while surfing in Kauai. Later, a small, bug-eyed man accosts me. Do you remember what you did last night? Hey, man, I'm sorry. I've got no idea what I did. If I, I'm not a violent man, but I almost killed you last night. You have issues. You know that? The demons had you. They were toying with you. I could see them. Sort yourself out, man. Uh, now, a postscript to that. I guess, uh, I think psychotic breaks are pretty common uh, for people with PTSD uh, who take heroic doses of whether it be uh, psychedelics like LSD or mushrooms or even weed can cause it. So if you've got some fucking gnarly, uh, gnarly skeletons rattling away in there, I'd probably steer clear of the psychedelics or weed outside of a therapeutic or pretty uh, staunchly controlled setting. Um, or at least do your research. Don't be a dumb young kid like me and uh because it would take a further six months for me to fully recover from uh, this psychotic break um yeah i basically spent the time living in constant fear that i could slip into this paranoid false reality again which was irrational but uh a serious thorn in my psyche he, nonetheless it ended up being half an ecstasy pill consumed at a music festival months later that restored my confidence ironically so uh, don't do drugs and stay in school, kids. And uh, when you're finished school, be really careful about what drugs you take, where and with whom you take it. Otherwise, you might end up pissing yourself in a room full of people stripped naked and nearly shot in the head. <laughs>